Hey there, everybody. Welcome back to the Basil Meets Podcast. If it's your first time, welcome for the first time to the Basil Meets Podcast. I hope you stick around. It's been a couple of weeks since I've seen you or you've heard me. Or uh, The point is, it's been a couple of weeks since we've interacted with one another. But for good reason. Uh, I was invited to the Apple Store last week to share my story of Basil Meets Metallica. I was invited by Hamburger Generation. And if you're intrigued, head down to the Hamburger Generation podcast and subscribe. I am the latest episode there. And I share my story of how I started a campaign to meet Metallica and eventually meeting them? I don't know. I'll keep it uh, keep it suspenseful. So maybe you guys can go out there and, uh, and check it out. Go on there, kids, and check it out. Uh, I also was at the Middle East uh, Podcasters Forum, which was a really cool event, first of its kind, organized by podcasters, for podcasters, featured Mustedford, Kancho, Hamburger Generation, Kerning Cultures, and a handful of awesome, awesome podcasters from around the region. Um, it was sponsored by Wild Pita, so shout out to Wild Pita. Some of the best sandwiches you will find in the UAE is served by Wild Pita. I am legit right now. This stuff is addictive. They serve some really, really cool shawarmas, so um, so head down to wildpita.com and check it out. You could also, uh, oh, and shout out to Anrami for launching podcasts on their app. So that's a big, 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 big shout out to Anrami for supporting the scene and making sure that we all have a home in the Middle East. So shout out again to Rami, Zaydan, and Anrami. Uh, today's podcast is a topical one for this intro. It's Hibbe Fisher, who is the founder of Kerning Cultures. Kerning Cultures being one of the coolest podcasts in the region today. They take you through an amazing storytelling experience, documentary, audio documentaries that just kick ass. So definitely check them out. They remind me so much of Radiolab. So if you're into that type of storytelling, then go ahead by all means and check it out. All right, uh, nothing else I have to say. Just enjoy this one, and I'll see you in the next one. Basil. Whoa, it actually does sound much better, right? How you doing? Good, how I have you? the, the Hibba Fisher on my podcast. Thank you, Basil. But I didn't ask Hind if you were ready. I'm ready. And are, ready. are we good? <laughs> okay, cool. Oh, my phone is not. Uh, your phone's already. It's all good. We're, we're rolling. We're off to a bad start. <laughs> it's all good. Uh, Hiba Fisher. Okay, let's just tell the world that we're sitting in a sauna of a room. So if we put on the AC at some point, don't judge us. It's the coolest jam room I've ever been to in Dubai. Right. And also, like, without the AC, it sounds much better. Like, I hear you. And I see your bars here, like, really picking up. Uh, Hiba, of course, is probably one of the most professional uh, and awesome podcasters based out of the UAE and possibly our region. Um, she owns a podcast called Kerning Cultures. And if you haven't heard it, then, by God, you need to listen to it. <laughs> it's one of the best podcasts I've listened to. And not just on a local level, but I think on an international level as well. Uh, honestly, great work. And I wanted to have you here today so we can talk about that and everything else that you might be interested in. So, uh, welcome to the Basil Meets Podcast. Thank you, Basil. I'm so excited to be here. I'm excited to have you here. <laughs> Tell me about your journey. Like, how did the, how does the entire Kerning Culture thing come about? I mean... Uh, it's it's for me. I've I've just seen your name around. I've seen your uh, your ad on the iTunes store alongside or, of yours. Alongside of mine. <laughs> Thank you, Apple. Shout out to Apple. Shout out to um, Apple. And I just I, I guess I thought it was more of a cultural program, uh, something like that. But then I listened to your Open Sesame uh, episode, which blew my mind. It blew my mind beyond. Like you, you don't understand. Like. It was on the same level for me as Radiolab, and I was so impressed by it. 
And uh, to a point where I was telling you before the podcast, I had to uh, tell my wife to listen to it. And she she also is a big fan of Radiolab. And like I said, like I told you before, she started even tearing up at some point because she felt so closely to the style of your storytelling. So your story to me has to be told. <laughs> and tell me, where did that come from? How did you start? Let's take it from there. And then we'll see where this podcast goes. Well, firstly, thank you so much. And that's very generous compliments. Radio Lab is the reason I fell in love with radio. So awesome. that okay. is like a standard that we try to hit. Um, and that just means so much that awesome. you guys think that we have. Um, so we've been producing stories with Kernan Cultures for three years. Okay. Um, and it, KC, as we call it, uh, was sort of born out of a quarter-life existential crisis of mine. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so my background is in supporting startups. Uh, and um, I, I studied microfinance and small business education in school through anthropology. Um, and when I graduated, I started a microfinance and business education program in the city I graduated from. And I went to university in the States. Um, And I did that for a couple of years, got very homesick, uh, came back to Dubai, um, and then was managing an incubator for startups here called Impact Hub Dubai. Okay, Um, yeah, I think I've heard of it, yeah. So we were, uh, Impact Hub is this global uh, support system for entrepreneurs. There's like 90 chapters around the world. We were starting the first one in the Arab world here in Dubai. Um, And that was super exciting, and I was meeting hundreds of entrepreneurs every single day, and it was wonderful, and then it uh, was um, not. (laughs) And I got very burnt out. It was a startup with not not as much resources as it needed for the kind of vision that we were building for it. Mm. Um, And I felt like this is what I've dedicated, you know, five years of my life to is this career path. Why am I not feeling fulfilled? Um, So I decided to leave and spend a couple of months finding myself. Mm -hmm. And I uh, basically went to my best friend. I stayed with her for a couple of months. um, In Dubai? In the U.S. In the U.S., okay. Um, And I uh, recorded a lot of voice memos, which I think is pretty prescient of what (laughs) what came out of. And and I said, you know, I want to tell stories. I really want to tell stories for a living. Um, I don't have a professional background in journalism. I didn't study journalism in school, but I loved podcasts and I loved Radiolab. um, And I said, I think if I just listen to enough of it, I can copy it. Um, So right at that moment when I I said, okay, I want to start a podcast, um, there was MIT Arab Enterprise Forum hosts these startup competitions every year, which I think are one of the coolest things that this region hosts. And so that year was happening in Kuwait. So I applied with like a business model canvas of what Kerning Cultures would be. And it was the first time of just sort of designing what the company could look like. Mm -hmm. And we always had a commercial focus. Um, And I got accepted. And when I went to Kuwait for a week, they have like a series of workshops and trainings. One of the guys who was hired to record videos of the whole event, a man named Ramzi Bashur, ended up being our sound designer. So I didn't win anything in that competition or anything like that. I made great friends I still talk to today. And I met Ramzi, who ended up becoming my first partner in okay. Kerning Cultures. Awesome. Um, and that's how that's how we started. It was he and I, and then we grew a team of producers. My co-founder, Razanazeh, and he joined me a couple months later. Um, and uh, and we've really just iterated, and, and there was... How, how, how much details do you want to go into the whole You can go, you can say whatever you want. This is an open forum. You can say whatever you want. Um, well, so we started with four episodes. Uh-huh. Um, and we said, okay, it's going to take us a while to create the next one. So we want to have a good chunk of episodes that we can release one after one. And then we'll have time to work on the next episodes. But we very underestimated how long it would take us to make episodes five, six, and seven. And so we released our first four episodes week after week and then went silent for, like, months. And there were a lot of kinks that we were working through Mm -hmm. as as a team. And this was all such a new medium for all of us, even the producers who joined us and my co-founder who is a journalist and has been working in the region for 10 years and all the other producers who joined us who have been journalists for a long time they were all video journalists or photo journalists and audio was this whole new world that we were all really learning together um so yeah, it, it really, I would say it took us about two years to get our act together in terms of having a strong pipeline of stories, really building out what the team could look like, building a foundation for the company, 
Um, and just um, a few months ago, we went through an accelerator in San Francisco that right. we got accepted to. It's called Matter. And they're one of the only accelerators in the world that are focused exclusively on media companies. And what wow. was... Yeah, and what was incredible, and they, they're partnered with like the New York Times and Google News Lab and these huge, huge like behemoth media companies that it's so hard to get a conversation with. And then all of a sudden, through this accelerator, they're sitting across you and they're like, "How can we help you?" And you're like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> um, but one of the incredible things that came out from that program was the vision that we had for Kerning Cultures before it was much smaller. Uh, and we th this is definitely a lifelong pursuit of right. mine. Um, but I always sort of imagined, okay, in 15 years, we'll build a network of shows. But through the accelerator, there was so much, you had to keep put, pitching the idea in front of an audience and people would respond and ask questions. And there was just, well, why aren't you building that empire today? Like, why don't you build that big network today? So that's, that's what we're doing as of June is we're building, we want to build the premier Middle East podcast network and gotcha. have 15 original Arabic and English shows, mm -hmm. do fiction series, do stories focused on food, do series focused on entrepreneurship, um, alongside of the, the core flagship show that we have out now. So your your main show is Kerning Cultures, and, and you, as of today, have no other uh, shows, Correct. right? Correct. So that's the one. You, but, I mean, I understand because it takes a lot of effort to build at least one episode of Kerning Cultures, right? I mean, uh, one interesting exercise I like to do is when I listen to a new podcast, I like to listen to the latest episode and then go back and listen to the first episode. Mm -hmm. uh, and with you, I've seen a huge jump between <laughs> your first one and I could tell in your style of talking and your style of um, recording, even the quality, everything was just like you've almost like leaped from like point A to point Z. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. it was such a big jump. Uh, which is amazing. I mean, that means you've really developed. And I think everybody along the way who helped you, you took that in and you sort of like uh, moved forward. Um, but what does it take for you to, uh, to, to create these other shows that you want to create? I mean, does that take more people or do you want to collaborate with other podcasters? Do you want to acquire other podcasters? Or, or just do you have a pipeline of programming in your mind that you think... That's, this is how it's going to look like. Yeah, so we're working on our second show right now, actually, with our core team. Um, but beyond that, I, I really don't think our... So we're a day-to-day -day team of four people. Okay. Um, and that's two full-time, two part-time. And then we commission journalists for episodes, for each episode that we work on, and we commission our sound engineers for each episode. So it's an artificially lean operation mm -hmm. currently, and I've poured my life savings into Kerning Cultures, and we had a little bit of funding from this accelerator that we're rapidly burning through right now. Um, in the U.S.? It, the accelerator in the U.S., yes. Gotcha, okay. Um, and uh, we're actually raising our first round of funding as a company now that, inshallah, will close by the end of November. Um, so with more resources, we'll be able to grow our team. Uh, I don't think we can do more than two shows mm. with the current with the current group that we have. It's just we're already stretched super thin. Um, so the vision is that we will certainly bring on new producers. Um, we would love to collaborate with other podcasts. We'd love to also, there's a couple of models that we can look at from US-based podcast networks mm -hmm. where they, as uh, more podcasts kind of emerge around the space, they can bring them into their network and facilitate ad sales and distribution. So we also, right. that is a business opportunity of we've already started to sell ads on our show. Um, and so once we kind of streamline what that advertising looks like, we'd be able to help support other podcasters and kind of bring them into our network as well. Yeah, I noticed that with a lot of podcasters that they, I mean, they cite, for example, one company that actually distributes their podcast, but they don't necessarily, uh, that podcast isn't necessarily, doesn't belong to that company. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah. so I guess that's something you can uh, potentially look into. A little interlude here. Yes. Uh, you said inshallah, oh. and I'm sure a lot of people got caught off guard here and they were like, what just happened? She sounds American, <laughs> but she just said inshallah. So what's going on here? So uh, same thing for me when I saw you, I was like, well, where is she from? Because her <laughs> name threw me completely off. So can you give us like a little background? Where are you from? Sure. So uh, you can hear it in my name, Hiba Fisher. Right. My mom is Egyptian. Uh -huh. My dad's American. Gotcha. <laughs> okay. It was simple. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And you've lived in Dubai or... Uh, so that's a little bit more complicated. Okay. So our family moved around a lot. Home. If this is personal for you, no. you don't have to say anything. Oh, no, but no. so yeah. That's a, Personal is where the, like, the gold is for, right? yeah. for audio. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 
our, our family moved around a lot growing up, so home is a very loose concept for mm-hmm. me and continues to be. Um, and so our family has been in the region, have, has been in Dubai for eight years. I've lived here for four. Right now I have this crazy setup where I go between Dubai and Seattle because my husband lives in Seattle. Really? Mm-hmm. Whoa. So, uh, yes, that's the state of affairs. And, and we moved around a lot in the Gulf. So I would say the Gulf and Egypt... And I guess now the U.S. is home. Yeah. I was, uh, so I had the guys from Hamburger Generation on uh, a couple of weeks ago. And we, that, that question came up. Uh, where are you from? That sort of thing. Uh, if you're getting hot, no, we could okay. totally put on the I AC. Just, I have less <laughs> hair than you, so I need to like, lift Live it a much, little yeah. bit. <laughs> <laughs> it just needs to um, lift it. That won't be very good for your... Sorry. It, it's, don't worry about it. Just, the more raw this is, the better. You know what I mean? So that's what we need to be doing. Like More raw content, more genuine content. Yeah, yeah. That's what we need to be doing. Um, yeah, so the question of where you're from, it's always it's always an interesting one to answer. And, uh, and especially for like third culture... Um, kids. I mean, you know, especially I'm sure for you, you have parents from two very different uh, backgrounds. So I, that's, I mean, that's, I think it always breeds a very interesting conversation because then you get into geopolitics and, and then, you know, at some point you get to a place where maybe you don't want to really go. Um, where are you from, Basid? Interesting question, Hiba. <laughs> uh, I am Palestinian, uh, Jordanian, so I, I I say Palestinian because I'm ethnically Palestinian, originally from, from Palestine, but I also uh, lived in Jordan for a long time, I'm a Jordanian citizen as well. So that's those are the two areas where I identify with. But I've also lived in the UAE for the past twenty years, and I know when I say twenty years to people in the UAE, they're like, "What? How old are you?" I'm thirty-four. Okay, so since you were fourteen. Since I was thir- quick maths, yeah. wow, <laughs> it's, it's wrong. <laughs> it's just thirteen, but, but still, that's, that's pretty good. Um, so yeah, I was um, uh, yeah, I've been here for quite a while, and uh, I've seen this place. I, I mean, beyond Sheikh Zayed Road, there was really nothing uh, except for the Hard Rock Cafe, uh, about half an hour drive after Dusit Dubai. Uh, so I've seen all of that come up. I remember when uh, when uh, Mall of the Emirates was coming up. And I was like, who the hell? It's going to go all the way out there. Yeah, drive all the way out here to a mall. Little did I know, they were building an entire city out there. Um, and funnily enough, I actually live in that area. So there you go. Uh, it's but, funny. I live in downtown. And until this day, I'm still like, oh, mall, the Emirates is too far. Like, I can't. That's the threshold. I yeah, can't pass I love it. downtown, though. That's a really good place to live. <laughs> uh, uh, that's That was our first place, Dana and I, when we first yeah. got married. Yeah, we lived down there. Um, so I really like downtown. Uh, so your husband lives in Seattle and mm-hmm. you live out here. So how often do you go back to Seattle? So uh, there hasn't really been a routine yet. We've been married for two years, but I, I try to go as often I, as I can. So it's every couple of months and I'll okay. stay for a while. Okay. And he, he works out of there and you, mm-hmm. I mean, it must be difficult, huh? You're, you're running this podcast and, and your startup as well. So like you're, you're truly sacrificing to, to make this thing work. And that's, that's, that's awesome. I mean, uh, to, for you to commit that much to, for, for, and you are, you're almost like living your dream. And that's, that's what's, that's what's yeah, amazing yeah. about it. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, and it's also a, a luxury. Like I, I, I'm, de- I mean, it's, it's incredible that I'm able to do something that I love every single day. Yeah. And it's, because I'm privileged to be able to do that. Does that make sense economically? Like if, if I had to, if I had to make money, I would leave this and actually get a job. <laughs> right. Well, I have a question for you. What do you think of the podcasting scene in the region? Um, you know, you and I have been involved in this. You know, we just met each other a few weeks ago at the podcasting forum, the Middle East podcasting forum, and it was the first of its kind where a lot of people like us sort of came out. Um, and met each other for the first time. Obviously, you've been much more involved in this scene. Um, I just didn't know about it. You know, I, I started Basel Meets just a year and a half ago or so, maybe a little bit more. Um, but I didn't know other uh, regional podcasters existed. And um, and just slowly with time, I got to meet people. Um, and then I saw you and I met you guys at the Middle East Podcasting Forum how do you assess this podcasting scene? And do you think that this is going to translate into some sort of mass uh, media consumption uh, in the region in the next year or so or two? I'd love to know your opinion, especially that you are so into this and you got, you've got investment. So you've obviously sold this to investors. So what do you think? 
yes, absolutely. So we believe that podcasts are media's next growth market and that there's a huge wave that's just going to take over the region. And we think for a variety of reasons that podcasts can be as as mainstream and as successful here as they have been in the U.S., if not even more, because we have a few more ingredients that I think make us more inclined to listen to stories and to listen to audio. Um, so in terms of sort of what I've seen over the past couple of years, when we first started, there were very few podcast players. And and there had been, like, there's there's a show called Hyperstage mm-hmm. um, that was started, like, in 2008 or something, or 2010. I mean, there, there's players who've been around for a long time, um, I, I don't know how big of an audience they had, and then the show stopped. So there, there. This isn't like we, we. I mean, th- this kind of has been a long tail of, of production, even here in the region. Um, that being said, when we first started producing, and we said, oh, you know, we have this podcast, creating cultures, people would be like, what's what's a podcast? Like, is it something where can yeah. I do I get it from my phone? like how? So it, I it, still get that. Yeah, yeah, it's still it definitely is still happening. I think the the questions have shifted slightly, and so now people are starting to ask us, oh, what podcasts do you listen to? Give us recommendations for podcasts. So there there's more of an awareness of the medium, um, but it's it's still. I mean, if you look at if you look at the numbers, there's something like I've heard anywhere between three hundred and fifty thousand to half a million active podcast shows that are predominantly coming out of the West. Right. Comparatively, there's no comprehensive directory of Middle East podcast shows, but a group of us, some of the organizers of the Middle East Podcast Forum, have been doing some of our own internal research to kind of map out what the landscape looks like, and we we place it anywhere between two to three hundred active shows, so shows okay. that are still producing now. Really? That's a lot more than I thought there is. <laughs> Either in Arabic or in English, mm-hmm. but anything to do with the region. And that is so small. Like, that's such a small number, and the potential is is so so much bigger. Mm. And, and you know how easy it is to start a podcast. Anybody can start a podcast. Right. What we're really excited about is really the quality production that's going to start to come out of the region. And in terms of why we think that podcasting is going to take off here in the Middle East, we have a long history of the oral tradition, as you know, the tradition of gathering around the hekawa to hear their long-form oral stories in the streets. Radio continues to reach more households in the Middle East and North Africa than television. And Saudis today spend more time listening to digital audio than Americans do. Mm. For all the talk of how podcasts have just exploded in the U.S. And you have companies that are raising, like one of the companies we're modeling us ourselves after is called Gimlet Media. Right. They raised $25 million to build the HBO of audio two years ago. Another company, Luminary, just closed $40 million in venture funds to build the Netflix of audio. Mm. And the commercial aspect of podcasts is extremely lucrative because right. you could do advertising, you could do sponsorships, you could do licensing deals. And ads on podcasts are such an effective messaging. They're more effective than radio and television because you're not inundated with them like you do on the radio here, which like hurts my soul to hear seven freaking ads, what a wild, and then there's like two, two minutes of, of actual radio. Right. And anyway, I can go off on like a rant about that. <laughs> we can. Yeah. That's not a problem. <laughs> um, but on a podcast, you'll have maybe, maybe four ads max. And they're very thoughtfully crafted. And they're often the, the voice of the host whose voice you're familiar with. And I'm the first person to block ads. I hate ads. I change the channel when it comes on the TV, whatever. But when my favorite podcast host, Jad's from Radio Lab, speaks, right. I listen to anything he says just because you just like his voice. Mm. And I often will take action on things that he that he said. Anyway, so the whole, the whole space in the industry is extremely lucrative from a commercial standpoint. And then in terms of what the opportunity looks like here in the region, we, we just think it's honestly, if you're familiar with the term blue ocean, it's like mm-hmm. a, it's like just a blue ocean. This is an unsaturated market. And we have some of the highest smartphone penetration rates in the world. You see that often things like Snapchat and Facebook and YouTube took a couple of years to hit the region. But when they did, we topped global usage worldwide in Saudi here in the UAE. Right. Like there's just, it, it's just a matter of time. And I think we're going to top global usage for podcasts. Well, it's interesting because when I look at, um, you know, podcasting in general, so I was in Canada uh, last month, uh, a month and a half ago, and one thing that caught my eye is, I'll, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I think you need to know that this podcast is nowhere near as professional as yours, <laughs> so if there's like sounds or something dropping or whatever, it's totally okay. Took, We're not editing. I took my bracelet off. <laughs> <laughs> We're not editing anything, any of this out. So okay, this, okay, okay, <laughs> this okay. is all in. Okay. Um, so yeah, so I was in Canada a few months ago, and so one thing that I noticed about um, Western cultures when it comes to podcasts is that Public transport really helps in 
in you having some kind of like podcasting experience because you know you look around in a, in, in a in a metro station or you're just walking around the city everyone has their headphones on and i'm sure a lot of those people are listening to music but a lot of them are probably listening to also audiobooks and they're listening to podcasts as well and i just think that's it's it's hard for me because when I come here and I have a conversation about podcasting with people, and this is just anecdotal, right? This is obviously you have way more evidence and information and all that sort of stuff. But for me, it's like I have to go up to people, download their podcasting app, and get them to subscribe to Basil Meets. Like here, that's how the podcast works. And if you have an iPhone, it's already on your iPhone, so you don't need to do anything. You all need to do is just click on this little uh, purple um, app. So. So for me, I'd love for it to get there, but I feel we still have a long way to go, you know, and it's just an educational element is, is there, like it's not there yet and we just need to build on it. Uh, we're, I feel we're a very video first market. Um, yeah, one of the reasons why I also have a video element to this podcast is because I know that's a, another area where I can reach people. Um, you know, so I, it still feels like there's a quite a distance to go. And I don't see it as something that's going to pick up in a year. It's probably going to take a little bit more than that. Do you know what I mean? And it's, it's going to take a group effort. Uh, it's going to take a lot of us getting together to grow the category and not just growing our podcasts. Do you know what I mean? Um, and and just that behavioral element. Is it, and what kind of content are we bringing out there? What kind of like genuine content are we bringing out there? I think Mustedfir, um, you I'm sure you know them. You ha- oh, well, you, you had them on your podcast last week or the last episode. Um, I, I love what they're doing. And I think the fact that they're doing it in Arabic also really opens it up you know, to a lot of people. But I think podcasts like you aren't just regional. I think there's a potential for it to go global. And I think anybody who's walking in a street uh, in Manhattan or London or Toronto can easily listen to Kerning Cultures and relate right away. I think that's your, I think your, your selling point's bigger than regional. I think it's, it's more international. Because so, of the English language aspect, yeah. yeah. But I will say that I think the shows that have the biggest reach here are the ones in Arabic. For sure. For sure, and, yeah. And we just, we have a dearth of, of original content here in the region when it comes to video, when it comes to audio, when it comes to any media. And so I think there's such a hunger for local content that's representative that I, I, I know that once we start doing Arabic programming, it'll it'll just take off a lot faster. But in terms of sort of how long you think the, the whole market will take to really pick up, maybe maybe it will take a year, I don't know. But I do know that I think the only way that it will pick up is with players like us really investing in the space. Mm. And I love that you, every person you meet, you like tell them to download the app and here's subscribe yeah. to Bessel Meets. <laughs> I do the exact same thing. And, and it's like little things like that that will start to, I think, gain traction. I also think that there's a huge opportunity with players like Ngami and other other streaming services that already have captive audiences. And I mean, this is, we've been talking a lot with Ngami about how they can really push podcasts because I think we can absolutely leverage what they've already built mm. and just we're introducing new content that their listeners can love. And it's not to replace music, but it's something that can complement the music. And to your point of like public transit in markets like the US or in Canada where everyone's plugging in because you have such a long commute, you have even longer commutes here in Dubai. I, I That's learned true. <laughs> this depressing statistic that the UAE tops second in the world for longest average commute. We have 96 minutes average commute. And it's people coming from Sharjah to Dubai yeah. or Abu Dhabi to Dubai or vice versa. And it's like, wh- what are you doing when you're driving? Maybe you're, you know, maybe you're working. Maybe somebody's driving you and you're talking on the phone or you're probably listening to something. And wouldn't it be amazing if you could choose what you listen to when you wanted to listen to it from yeah. your phone? Absolutely. Oh, I guess that's what I do because I drive from the Palm all the way to uh, Dubai Airport Free Zone. It's where I work. And yeah, I mean, it's like 30, 35 minutes. So that's like half an hour of just pure podcasting. And, and that's what I do now. I don't even listen to music. I just listen to the latest pro- podcast show. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting. And I think what you said about Anrami is very important to the scene for sure. Because we need players like that to sort of like open it up to the mass so people can understand, well, what is a podcast? What does that even mean? And, and so on. And so I think that's very important. I think Apple as well have been pushing. Um, you know, that's how I got to know your podcast through the Apple Apple's, um, Apple podcasts. And the fact that they've invited some people to speak at the Apple store and so on. And last week I, I shared a story there and it was really weird for me. Why? Uh, 
you know, it's just a bunch of people that, I, you know, first of all, I realized that I enjoy public speaking. I was like, this is good. Like, it's a bunch of people I don't know, but I could do this. <laughs> you know, this is yeah. fun. Um, but uh, yeah, it was it was odd. But at the same time, I enjoyed it. You know, I just I shared the story of Basil Meets and and you know how I met Metallica and so on. If you guys want to know more about this, you could go to uh, Metallica. Yeah. What? Yeah, it's a very long story. It's all documented on the uh, on the uh, Hamburger Generation podcast. The pot, the episode just came out yesterday, but. Um, Basically, in a nutshell, Basil Meets' origin was Basil Meets Metallica, um, and it was a campaign that I started back in 2011 uh, when Metallica came to Dubai for the first time that I thought I was the only worthy person to meet them. And Naturally. so <laughs> that's, I've been a fan for 15 years. So it's uh, who else, you know? Mm. And so I started the campaign on Twitter, it picked up, and which eventually led to me meeting the band. Uh, which was very cool. I mean, who can say they hung out with James Hetfield twice? That's cool. Not once. That's cool. But twice. <laughs> That's right. Uh, and I got a hug from him. So there's there's that. <laughs> anyway. Um, shit, what was my train of thought? <laughs> anyway. Oh, public speaking, Apple Store. But yeah, so it was cool that we're getting all that sort of like push from uh, from Apple and from Anrami. And hopefully we'll start seeing more brands coming into the fold and sort of like, you know, pushing it forward. And it's cool to see what you're doing because you even got investment out of it. So some people actually believe in this and they're giving you actual, you know, cash to run this. And the fact that you're doing this with a team and, and you guys are doing this full time, it's super inspiring for me. I mean, as a pro- podcaster, as somebody who would love to one day have sort of like do this as a full time job. So it's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> I, think, I think it will definitely pick up at some point. So, but to take it back to uh, you as a um, female sort of in the Middle East and like being the, at the helm of this company, do you find yourself as, you know, your, your role is sort of like bigger now because you're also like a role model to other, to other women out there who also want to start their own sort of company and so on. How do you, do you square yourself into that area as well? Is that something, especially coming in a, in a, in a, in a region like the Middle East? I don't, uh, it's very generous of you. I don't think we're role modeling yet. I hope so soon. Um, but we do often get a lot of uh, people reaching out to us and saying, hey, I'm, I'd like to start a podcast. Can you just kind of walk me through how you did it? So I'm always open for those kinds of conversations. And right. I think that those are important. And to your point of like, I, I really vehemently believe that we need to band together as an ecosystem because it'll it'll grow it for everybody and and so whatever we've learned along the way i'm always happy to share it um but in terms of being a female founder it's funny i haven't like okay there are some conversations you'll have and as we're going through this fundraising there's some conversations you'll have with male investors where it's like a little bit like they come at you kind of condescendingly like you little girl don't know what you're talking about which drives me crazy so there are those conversations which i think if i was a guy i wouldn't be getting that but apart from that i don't think that there really has been a difference to be a female versus a male. In fact, I feel it more when I'm in the U.S., to be honest. Like, that distinction really? is, like, held up on a pedestal that, like, I'm, yeah, which is just, like, here here in Dubai, you don't really, I mean, you have so many women who are in leadership positions. Like, it's not, it's not, a, right. big de- it's not a big deal. And I, I don't, I, I think what maybe has helped is, like, I'm, you know, very emotional as a person and I'm very um, sincere. I think I would be the same thing as a guy. But whenever we do interviews, I definitely know that people trust us very well. And But I, I think the same thing would have happened if I was a male. So. Right. I think uh, I heard it from, because uh, I had a, a guest on the podcast a while ago, um, Elisa Frehab. She, yeah, uh, do you Wumina. know her? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And uh, she has this whole operation where she um, encourages um women to join the startup ecosystem and so on. And and we had the conversation about this. Um, and I think she also mentioned what you mentioned in the sense of um, being regarded as when, when she meets sort of like male investors, there is that kind of um, tone that they might know more. Or, yeah. Like, do you, so did you, did you actually face a lot of that? Or is this like, was, were these like one-off things that you've faced? Well, so we we're we're doing, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm focused. Majority of my time right now is, is fundraising the seed round for Kerning Cultures. And so I've probably had like 50 conversations. We've pitched a lot. Um, mm. And so from that, 
I, maybe there's been a handful that have boiled my blood in that way. Really? <laughs> yeah. But but apart from that, there's also been a number of people who've who've gotten it right away or or are very. I mean, you're just you're you're speaking as peers. So it it just it happens sometimes. I do think. I think it's a male thing. I don't think it's necessarily an Arab male thing, mm. but it's just it is a it's sort of a a symptom, and that's fine. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Um, I uh, I was I think she was talking to me about like just growing that ecosystem and growing the uh, the female investment pool as well. I think that's one thing that she was looking at that she wanted to grow, which I find interesting. I always find these things um, super interesting because it's like we talk about these in such different corners of the world and they're not necessarily like in the mainstream or something that we have a consistent conversation about. So I always like to know, for example, like you or Elisa and how do you view these type of things if they affect you personally or not, or is this just a myth or something? So I guess it comes from a curious nature, um, that sort of thing. Um, In terms of building a podcast. So when I look at, for example, your last episode, Open Sesame, it seemed like there was so much um, work that went into that um, from like interviewing so many different people. So in the beginning, I thought it was going to be an interview with uh, Ahmad only. But then Ahmad actually was just in the beginning. And then you sort of paused and went away from Ahmad. And you sort of explored a whole world. And you took me along that journey. And you brought Ahmad back after you took me through that journey. How, you know, how much effort does it take for you to to actually build a story like that? And what kind of resources does it need to build such a story? Yeah, so we, it probably took us end to end, I would say, three months, three months, three months to work on Iftah Simpson, the Three the opens, months opens on Sesame. one episode. Wow. Yeah. And so it was. God, I feel so inadequate no. right now. <laughs> oh, my like, God. Uh, like no. this is, this takes yeah. an hour, really. <laughs> That's, you know. No, no. I mean, basically, I, we're doing this full time. Like, <laughs> right. It, yeah, it, yeah. If it didn't, yeah. Um, so we, uh, we, for, and we, we had known Ammar and the idea was something that our team had for a while, actually. But then when we decided, okay, let's, let's sort of work on this episode properly. So we interviewed Ammar. We researched. So what? we do with all of our guests is we do a lot of research beforehand and we'll sketch out what the interview questions look like and we um depending on how profile the guest is as well we'll try to watch as many interviews that they've been in impossible and try to pick out things that aren't like the typical questions they always get asked so once we kind of scope that out we'll do the interview our interviews my favorite interviews take like four hours because i feel like you can really like i walk away that's that i walk away from some of these conversations and it's like it's kind of a weird feeling and especially because i i didn't study this in school so i don't maybe there's some advice for how to handle this that i don't know yet but you just it's like a little bit of a of a surreal experience because you feel like I know this person so intimately now, but like we only spent a couple hours together, but you just, you get so fast to each other's hearts and, and I share as much as they, they do. And then it's like kind of weird cause you're not really friends, but like, I feel like I think about them often right. and, so, and you know, and I'm still in conversations with a number of our guests and I'll call them like, Hey, what's going on? You just, you feel like you, anyway. So that, those are my favorite kinds of conversations if, if our guests will give us that time. And most often they do because they enjoy the conversation. And then from there, we transcribe all the audio, which is a pain in the butt. Uh, but there are automated softwares that, that do that relatively well. Um, and then from the transcripts, we start to build the script. Um, and that takes, you know, probably maybe two weeks of going through iterations. And we, we, we write our host narration as a way to kind of like pull the listener through the story um, maybe maybe the guest said something, but they like didn't say it concisely enough, and so as a host, we'll paraphrase for them like that. Um, and then uh, once we have a script, we'll record host narration, and then uh, our producers will cut the audio, and then we send it to our sound designers. And our sound designers are so talented. Mashallah, they're so talented, and they all come from film backgrounds, um, and so they score the episodes like they're scoring a film. So, wow. and, and a lot of them are original composers, and so they'll bring their Are they based music. in Dubai? One of them is based in Dubai, one is based in Egypt, and one is based between Lebanon and New York. Okay, wow, okay. Um, and those are the three that we've worked with predominantly. Um, and uh, and so then we go through a couple of iterations of the draft of the episode when it's mixed with the sound and the music, and we listen for levels, and you know, then we realize when it's all together, actually, we want to make more content edits because we don't need that, we don't need that. Um, 
yeah, so so end to end, it takes about three it takes about three months to to work on these stories. That is crazy. That's a lot of work, <laughs> and it's amazing though. I mean, you are running a media production company, pretty much yeah. is what you're doing. <laughs> wow, that yeah. that's inspiring. Honestly, well, what what pisses you off about <laughs> you know what, the audio scene, and what really upsets you? Um, when working on such episodes, like what irks you? What what you feel like? Ah, oh, man! If only I could do without that or, or this or you know. What pisses me off about the whole process? Uh... Well, let's talk about audio scene first, like radio. Like, what 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 did you feel that man? This is this is missing. Like, I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this differently. I'm just not going to include these things. Oh, well, I, I mean. And I, I don't mean to like hate on the radio here. You can hate on the radio; it's all good. <laughs> we have no sponsors, so it's no worries. So if anybody's listening, they should reach out to sponsor. Um, if you want, <laughs> <laughs> um, Nike, Adidas, yeah. Adidas particularly, because I really like your products. Yeah. So yeah. shout out to Adidas. Yeah. <laughs> God, I give, I give them I give them free advertising. I think like ten times to the podcast. Yeah, so they should at um, least a, at least a sneaker at least at least. Anyway, you were saying. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I, I think okay. So one of the things that frustrates me about the radio scene here in Dubai is that a lot of the like so, some of the talk shows I think are really well researched and produced. Some of them, I just. I, okay, and especially because as a podcast, we're not doing this live. So we have the space in which we can edit things. And I am such a believer that if somebody is giving you their time to listen, then it's like a good idea to be thoughtful with what you give back. Mm -hmm. And so I don't necessarily need to hear for like 10 minutes you thinking through something. Like just cut cut the part, like cut the meat of it and give that to me. Mm. And that I think is what we try to do with the podcast. Yeah. I also think we're very thoughtful with the ads that we include in our show um and we often will record an interview with the advertiser so it'll it's called native advertising so it's more of a conversation mm. that rather than like they give me a script and I read out a script right. because you know who does, does that really well? Um, Pod Save America. Yeah, yeah. They uh, they they do that really well. Yeah. Um, anyway, you were saying. No, that's that, that's all. So I think those those are some of the things that we try to do, um, at least more to my taste. And that's that's all that this is, right? Is you're creating stuff that that you want to listen to, right? <laughs> like it's just it's um, yeah. It's it's interesting because um, I think uh, that's one. Re- I used to listen to uh, talk radio. Uh, just before I discovered podcasts. Um, and I, th- I found something soothing about it. You know, just uh, sort of driving and going to the office and just listening to some kind of uh, two or three people having a conversation about a certain topic. Uh, but then I discovered podcasts, which is really interesting. Um, uh, and so, like, you know, things like Pod Save America or, or Joe Rogan or, or even, uh, and I know you're not, it's interesting. Every time I speak to a, a female, um, either a podcaster or just somebody who listens to podcasts, it's always like they don't listen to Joe Rogan. It's very interesting. It's such an interesting insight. You, uh, Sarah, uh, sorry, Sarah, uh, Isra from Hamburger Generation, my wife. Um, it's just, I don't know, Hind, do you? Yeah. <laughs> you know, this is Jorgen too. Like, it's it's very strange, you know? Like, I feel it's, it's, it's he, it's, maybe it's a guy thing. I don't know. Anyway, yeah. but it, 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 it's, uh, what I like about this is that I started realizing that instead of just listening to music or being entertained or being soothed, I'm actually getting some kind of value out of the content, you know? And I think that's, that's something that's very important. That's something that I try to do here. Uh, as inform, well. thank you so much. That means a lot coming from you. You know, it's like I feel like I'm sitting with a with a very important person in the podcasting world. So any validation you give me for me right now, I'm going to write, <laughs> take it home and take it to the bank. Um, but yeah, so the, the amount of as, as informal as this is, but if I feel that somebody took some kind of value out of this, it means a lot to me. You know, like a couple of days ago, I got a message uh, on my Facebook group uh, or my Facebook page saying that I, well, I've, I've gotten a lot of value out of the episode I did with Khad Al-Amri because it was very positive and, and, and it had a very strong positive message behind I'll it. I'll have to listen to that it's one. It's very cool. He's an awesome guy and I think you should get him on your podcast. I don't know how. He's a great I'm sure writer. A story. He's a great writer. Yeah. He, he tells great stories. 
um, plug Khad Al-Amri right now on this podcast, for sure, <laughs> listen to him, he's a, he's a great guy. Uh, so the fact that, that somebody took some kind of value out of, out of that, they messaged me, this, we had a, I had a really bad day today, um, and all I needed was to listen to that podcast, sort of like lift me up. Amazing, and to me, that's more than money, that's more than monetizing, any of that stuff, that to me is the most important thing. Um, and so I get a little bummed out when I don't put out episodes. Do you know what I mean? Like, so for for example, the past month, because of the forum and because of Apple and because of like the some of the media press that we got and the coverage and, and so on, um, I didn't put any episodes out. And I felt really bummed out. Like, and that's why I was like hounding you over the past week. When I was do this, let's do this, let's do this, you know? Because I wanted to put out something like it's. I've been away for a couple of weeks, so I want to put out something that's of quality to people. Um, but I think that's what's important. I think that's what we're doing here is we're building genuine content that we're putting out there that I think can re- easily replace, um, you know, just the shallow content that we see every day on social media, you know. And I loved that line that you said. I think I tweeted it of like podcasters are the anti-vanity Instagram. Right. And that's not <laughs> a dig at Instagram. That. <laughs> that's, a, that's a dig no, at Instagrammers. No. Who, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like yeah. people who take selfies of, the, of themselves and they have for some reason 18 to 20,000 likes per video or per per picture. Now I'm trying to understand what is the insight that, yeah. that connects all these pieces of content together. Do we love to hate or or do we actually love these people or like what is it what 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 is the insight there like sometimes i struggle with finding what the true insight behind this type of content is it's easy is is my is my my understanding of it i think it's very easy and so and and i'm i'm uh guilty of it myself like this this whole action of just swipe swipe right. swipe and you're just looking at pictures you don't have to read anything like it's very if you're tired during the day, it's just like it's but it's empty. That That's the problem. It's easy. But I think for the most part, a lot of it is empty, except for there are there are people who are, I think are doing really good content on Instagram as they are across other sure. platforms. Yeah. But I think for some of these influencers, they they craft these beautiful photos and it's just it's pleasing to look at probably makes you feel a little bit insecure about yourself and so you keep going back to it to be like what else do they have like what right. else am i missing kind of thing and then i also think it's just very easy it's it's a little it's a little addictive i feel as mm-hmm. well mm-hmm. Um, they did that very well yeah, yeah. you know <laughs> the, the fact that you keep going through and you just keep getting this instant um injection of entertainment or i don't know i don't know how to you know, it's so the other day I just I came across a picture of a guy who just sitting on the pool and his like his biceps are out <laughs> and like and he's just you know, bearded and like you know, tatted up and and he had like I think thirty thousand likes on that picture. And I was just trying to, I was struggling to understand why did people enjoy that type of content? I don't, I don't get it, you know, and <laughs> I understand it. Maybe, maybe there's somebody out there who knows the answer. I don't know what it is, but it's, it's at some point, I think people are moving away from that sort of content to find more genuine content, I think. Yeah, you know, and, I, I believe it. I, th- I think there's reports out there that show that as certainly for our generation, millennials, I think we're one of the most depressed generations. We're the most optimistic, and then I think we're also one of the most depressed. And why I think, do you think that is? Well, I think it's because of social media. And yeah. I think it's, or, or just I th- the pace of life has just increased with technology, and you know, you have your email on your phone, so you're never really away from work. And, and like, just you can have anything with the click of a button, you just get a delivery service. Like, everything is just so fast. Right. And then I think that you, with social media, you're, it's more of like a projection of the happy life that you're leading. And then, I mean, it always drives me crazy. And you'll, you'll probably empathize with this as a concert level, a lo- concert lover. But if you go to a concert and people are like filming it, like they're watching it through their phone. That's odd. It's like, what kind of a dil- diluted experience <laughs> is that? Like why? But it's so that they can share it with people afterwards. And, and from, I think the, the, the like seed of that intention is right. Like you want to share the happy moments with others, and I think that's beautiful. But I think what it does is one, it dilutes the existing experience, and then two, it's like you're so the addictive, the addictive quality of social media is that it's driven by likes and their affirmations that people like you, right? By, mm, like, by, like, that's very interesting. Yeah. And so you're you're just like then then you're just like oh my god, how many likes do I have? Why don't I have enough likes? Okay, I need to come up with something else, and it's just. I, yeah, I think we're all guilty of that. We're all guilty, of course, and I'm guilty of this. Come on, I'm. I'm just saying, like, I, I'm. I think this is why 
like we need boundaries and I think you're right I think people are starting to realize that there is an emptiness to the style of life and I think they're looking for something that's more nourishing they're looking for something that that is less superficial yeah it's funny I, I, I about the likes thing it, it, you know when I think about myself even when I put something out on my own personal Instagram I think twice sometimes before putting it out there because I'm like, what if it doesn't get enough likes? Yeah. Like, how does that make me look in front of people? Like, oh, it got like 50 likes. That yeah. means like, that means Bassett is not popular and this whole thing is bullshit. Like, he's just like <laughs> putting it out there and like, really, he doesn't have uh, any re- any people watching. But then I started realizing, I'm like, honestly, at some point, I just stopped caring how many likes uh, a, a picture or a video gets. And I just started like pushing it, pushing it out there. So, um so I know sometimes a certain piece of uh, a picture isn't going to get the amount of likes or comments that, you know, I want it to. But, you know, for me, sometimes I feel like, fuck it. I just like it's something that I'm proud of and I'm just going to put it out there. And I think when you start disassociating yourself with what is expected to you, of you on social media, you start feeling a little bit better. Yeah, you know, like, like I'm in control. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care about I got 30 likes. It's fine. They got 30 likes. It didn't work. People didn't like it. It's fine. The next one will be better. Uh, so I think that's step one is just sort of like just disassociate yourself from that. Um, and two is sometimes you also got to disassociate yourself from content that you feel is uh, adding um, negativity to your life. Oh, yeah, you know absolutely. what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Because a lot of times you won't realize that you're 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 clicking a video uh, on Instagram or yeah let's I mean let's go back to Instagram uh, and you find some people partying and some people like just taking selfies of themselves at a pool with a bunch of people and and like these influencers for example and like you might be enjoying that piece of content at that point but where does that leave you when you put your phone down and you look around and you're like oh, shit well I feel like I should be at a pool right now and I should be, but will I really enjoy being at a pool right now with a bunch of people or do you know what I mean? Like it's, you start like questioning a lot of yeah, your, yeah, yeah, of your life decisions. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. At that particular point. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, I feel that's another thing where you need to like sort of step away. Yourself. And I feel like I know people might now be listening to me and thinking like, well, I mean, you're, you sound like a broken record. You sound like a guy who is being a little bit negative. There are a lot of, obviously, positive aspects of social media as well, um, highlighting, um, you know, positives or, or highlighting successes or stuff like that. That obviously... Starting uh, revolutions. Starting, well, I mean, you know, <laughs> step away from that, from that comment. <laughs> Moving swiftly along Everybody. to the second point. Uh, maybe we should start editing this podcast. <laughs> just joking. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, just I, I think these things, when you start uh, choosing the type of content that you enjoy, um, that maybe starts adding a little bit color into your life. I, I don't know what kind of content you enjoy, but uh, I feel that's maybe something for yeah. me. That's, um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I heard a cool quote. Um, okay, the first one is... Take people um, as, uh, not as they are, but as what they can be, mm. you know? And I think when you start looking at people in that sense and and start following people, not because they have 100,000 followers, but because of the content they're putting out there, that's like, you know, at some point this person's going to grow and so on. And I want to support that person because they're putting their passion and they're putting their heart behind something that they enjoy and might not get, like, it's not your typical um, selfie-esque um, content and the other thing is comparison is the is the thief of joy mm. which I which I mm. which I loved as well mm-hmm. heard that on a Joe Rogan podcast <laughs> so I got you there interesting maybe I should listen to him <laughs> <laughs> maybe it's time you should, you should you should jump on but yeah I think that is also rings very true for me um, is that when we sit there every day comparing ourselves that could be something that could it's be terrible yeah 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 yeah, as as negative or something like that, you know. Uh, but yeah, that's that's my that's I think that's where social media is today, and I think what we're trying to do and what you're trying to do with I think is, you know, is just moving away from that type of content to something that's adding real value to people's lives. Um, do you both do, of us? Yeah. Do you feel that you move away at some point? You would move away from audio to well, I'm sure audio will always be your core, but do you see a video element to what you're trying to do? 
Not as a core piece. So I, I really, really believe in audio as a medium, and I think that there's something so magical about it in mm. the way that it can fire your imagination. And if you think about it, when you listen to somebody's voice, you can't make as many judgments. I mean, maybe maybe there's there, there's a little you could do of like the the lahga, like like the like the, the 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 accent and the tone, and like maybe you can make some assumptions about who they are and where they came from. But you that only takes you maybe two steps. Whereas if you see their face and you see their picture, there's just I, I think we're just so trained to to filter and screen and make stereotypes and all of this that you start to make a judgment about the person before you hear about what they have to say. Mm. Um, whereas I think, and this is something that I love, is a lot of a lot of our listeners will tell us that after listening to an episode, they feel like they just had this intimate conversation with the person and they've never met them, but they feel like they you know they they really walked in. There's there's space, I think, in audio where you can build empathy that I think other media, it's, it's much harder to do that. And, and I kind of liken audio to books in that sense, mm. where I think, like, remember reading your favorite books and you were, you, like you imagined what the characters look like, and right. then you make a film about it, and you go to the cinema, and you're like, man, I, he did not look like that in my <laughs> head. And in your head, it always was so much better because it was your world and you got to imagine what the person looked like and I think that's that's what audio as a, as a medium can afford so I think our core will always be audio and I really really I love I love audio um, that being said as, as you said earlier video is quite paramount here in the region and you know everybody wants video and, and all this and so we're also um, conscious of that and, and what we've started to do which has been working really well alhamdulillah is we'll create little film teasers for our episodes kind of like what you do with recording these these right. episodes and putting them up on online as well is I think using video as a medium that people already know and familiar with as a way to bring them to the audio world yeah. I think that will be the function of it um, that being said, I, I'm also not like purist, and so if some sponsor wants to pay us a lot of money to create a wonderful show and they want video to go with it, I'll gladly you know, sell we, out. Can it. We, can do- <laughs> we can do that too. <laughs> um, uh, so you mentioned Gimlet Media earlier. Yeah. Uh, so do you um, do you embody- So do you look at Gimlet and you think this is a sort of like um, this is a sort of like standard that you want to meet. That's a sort of like a trajectory that you want to get on. Uh, and to, to people who don't know, Gimlet, um, obviously Startup, uh, the podcast, is one of my favorite podcasts yeah, great. ever, ever. And at f- I think the first one or two episodes uh, where he's pitching uh, the podcast. Chrisaka, uh, yeah. yeah. Such a good episode. It was so intense yeah, for yeah, me. Yeah. Like I was, I remember, I was, I remember the moment I was, I was running and and Alex, the host, was uh, was pitching his idea, and I could not like stop smiling because he's like stammering and he's like, uh, uh, it's so good. Yeah, it's so yeah, good yeah. because it's so relatable. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, because I, I saw myself in his position, and I would totally mess that up for sure. Like, if it was me in yeah, front yeah, of me him, yeah, yeah. would have totally <laughs> messed that up. Uh, so yeah, Gimlet Media went from that podcast to a podcasting um, uh, publisher yeah. uh, and a network. Uh, one of I think the coolest out there. So do you see yourself as a person that you know, as a person starting this company? Is do you see yourself as an Alex, and do you want to grow? Um, you know, current cultures to be a network like Gimlet. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And we very much look at their business model as something that we're we're looking to model ourselves after. So I think from a from a commercial standpoint, I think what Gimlet has done is fantastic. So they have their core network of original programming. They do ads very similar to uh, we learned native advertising from Alex and from Startup and the way that they would do it. Um, Alex Bloomberg, the host of of Startup and the founder of Gimlet Media, um, and then they also have what they call Gimlet Creative, which is their branded content arm where they create original original shows in partnership with brands. Right. So they've done it for Gatorade, they've done it for Tinder, they've done it for Reebok, they've done it for a whole host of, of brands, and they've created their first podcast shows. And so that is something that we very, like, that, that copy-paste is, is, is what, we're, what we're building for, for Kerning Cultures as well. Okay. Well, that's, I mean, definitely I see it in the right direction, so hopefully you'll get there. Um, is there anything that's big that's coming for you that's happening next? What's what's big for you that's coming up and the world needs to know? Um, well, we're working on our second show, uh, so definitely follow Kerning Cultures so you can see updates about that. And what we're going to do is we're going to transition Kerning Cultures to be the parent company name and then... 
we haven't quite figured out exactly how to do this from a marketing perspective, but that's the idea is that Kernan Cultures will become the network name and then all the shows underneath it will have their own unique brands. Um, but if you follow Kernan Cultures, you can get updates on all of those happenings. And the new, uh, the new show will be releasing beginning of January. Um, and it's uh, profiling exceptional Arabs and the stories behind the empires they built. Wow. Um, which I'm really excited about. And That's so cool. Yeah. It's very cool. And this will be our first uh, attempt at an interview-style show, so very similar to Basel Meets. Um, and the, the hope is that... Or the Not the hope, but how we're um, d- uh, producing the show is... All the interviews are very real, mm-hmm. um, and so it's not like like I used. To, I mean, I come from the startup world, and it used to drive me crazy going to these panels, and people would talk about their success stories, and it was so romanticized and so linear. And it's like I woke up and pff, I was like a genius, and it's like, okay, can you please like tell me when it really was not working, and how did you recover from that, and who were your mentors in life, and you know, what do you do? You have a daily routine? Like I hear, what's that guy? He's like a big. Um, like motivational guru Tony Robbins mm. he like takes an ice bath every morning which I think is crazy but like it like jolts his heart like what do you do to like be like how, what do you do to be successful right um, so th- those are the kinds of questions that we'll be that we'll be asking and we'll I think each episode will be 20-30 minutes long um, and I'm so excited about we've already started production for it and some of the interviews have just been like you just walk away and we're on the cloud nine. They're they're just they're so good. I, I'm really excited about the show. Wow. Are you interviewing anyone or is it somebody It's myself and Dana, our editor, who are doing the interviews, yeah. Okay. So awesome. if you if you have any ideas for people you want to hear their stories, please hmm. let me know. Well if you can hook me up with anyone for the podcast, <laughs> yeah. that also would be very cool. Of course. Of course. <laughs> so thinking about that. Uh, cool. And do you see a space for live podcasts at some point? Oh my god, yes. This is like my one dream in life. That's so, so we share a dream. Yeah. Okay, cool. Cool. Right. <laughs> is I would love to do like a very rehearsed uh, production on stage. I think that would be so freaking cool. And I've been to a couple of of live podcasts where they'll do so they bring not here though, right? That no, mean, not yeah. here, not here. But they'll do like an orchestra. I went to a radio lab one. Wow, so good, it was so good. Wow. So they have they have an orchestra. Uh, the two hosts, Jad and Robert, are on stage. They have their script, so they're narrating live. That's so cool. And then you have the sound designers who are mixing and adding the sounds, and then you have tape that's already been cut. So they like will play the tape, and then you have music to complement it. That's happening live. And it's just this whole like theatrical production that is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. That is awesome. And I would wow. love for us to do that. The issue with our team is that we're so scattered around the world. So we need to like congregate in one physical space. And then I think we can make this happen. That's so cool. Uh, I got inspired by that because I saw, I've never seen one live to be very honest, but I would love to because I, I listen to a lot of, uh, a lot of my favorite podcasters also every once in a while have a, have a live episode. And um, and I remember I was in San Francisco once and I saw like, uh, you know, we were walking by a big um, theater and it had, like the whole listing of the theater was just live talks or live interviews that's happening on that day. And they're all sold out. And I thought like th- this was something I'd, I would love to attend, you know, just a conversation by two very smart people yeah. and just talking it out for an hour and a half, two hours. And you're just sitting there and you're watching it. You're totally taking it all in. I've never I, I didn't know that um, Radiolab did that. I didn't know that they did it to that degree, which is amazing. That sounds amazing. Uh, for me, it would be more about the conversation yeah. and, you know, two chairs on a stage Um Two, two, two lights pointing yeah. at both guests, you know. Uh, do you remember Inside the Actor's Studio? Do you remember that yeah, show? Yeah, I think so. It's like a, it's just a, literally an interview between something, I forget the guy's name. Maybe not the best example for me to use. No, 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 no. But the format of that was really cool. It's just two people just talking for an hour and a half and just everyone's just listening. And, and I love that. I think that's something that's really cool. And imagine you see your favorite I don't know, rock star or your favorite thinker or your favorite whatever, and just bear themselves out there and have a conversation rather than you just seeing them perform or something. We should do this. That should be the next, one of the next Middle East podcast forums. There should be a component, I think. I would have loved to do that, I think. You were the one who suggested to do a live recording. But I understood that the whole logistics of it would have been difficult. and, And also we had like three weeks left yeah, yeah. to, to mean, get up we person it together way too yeah but we the, for one of the future ones i think that would be really nice but something comparable that happens here one of my favorite events that happens in dubai is the emirates literature festival do 
uh-huh. you go to it? I've never been. Uh, you have to I know, go. You I know. and Dana have to go. Honestly, it's really one of the best events that, that, that I've ever been to here. The authors they bring are like some of my favorite authors of life, and the conversations are spectacular. It's wow. so good. It's so good. Uh, it's we happening were, in March. We were told by, um, yeah, I think a, a couple of people told me they were, they were moderating some of those panels out there as well. I'd love to go. I mean, uh, absolutely. I know it, it happened. I don't know how big it is. I think it's, it's pretty... It's huge. It's huge, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's huge. It typically happens... See, that, that's a podcasting um, audience, I feel. Like, yeah, that's an audience that would... Yeah, books. Yeah. <laughs> definitely. I definitely think so. Like, yeah. I Completely. <coughs> um, oh. Oh, my God. That, I hear myself. I hear myself at some point, like... There's another Basil in in this room. Again, we're not editing this out. We can keep all of this in here. <laughs> um, yeah, so definitely that's something that sounds really cool. And I would, uh, you know, live podcast podcasting. I think that's another, you know, I think that's another source of revenue for you. Actually, yeah, if you, you do that, tickets. then yeah, yeah, you sell yeah. some tickets and do some live shows. I think that'd be really cool. Definitely. Hey, but I, I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like you have big big places to go. I feel like this is going to be the next big thing. I think you're going to be big not just here. You're going to be big in the Western world as well. You're telling stories that need to be told from our region to the world. And I really, you know, if there's an investor out there <laughs> who just happens to be a fan of Bassin Meats, you never know. Maybe, maybe not. I'm sure there's plenty. I really think they should not invest in me, but invest in you. No. Because you're telling the stories of the future. And, uh, they should invest in this whole ecosystem. The whole ecosystem. But you, though, don't be too humble. <laughs> you should definitely tell it. Uh, honestly, you, really good stuff. I really appreciate you stopping by on a Saturday um, and, you know, sharing your story with us. And, um, yeah, I hope you get to where you want to get to. And I think... I'm sure uh, you're going to be the uh, the podcasting company that everyone's going to be talking about next year. <laughs> I'm hoping next Thanks, year, <laughs> if not sooner. <laughs> <Me too. laughs> but 2019 is just a few months away, so yeah. <laughs> so let's see. Cool. Thank well, thank you, you so much. Thank you.